You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Steelers week part two coming up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Bengals take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steel City, and boy, do they need this one, that is for sure, there is, uh, the Bengals seek their first division win of the year, which sounds weird to say with three games already in the books, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, I'm Anthony Cazenza, he's John Sheeran, and we are coming at you live if you like watching the live show at a little bit different day and time. The schedule's got a little wacky, but we also, John, first of all, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, we're we're kind of getting the folks sort of slightly accustomed to maybe a new schedule we have coming up. Yeah, so ideally, we want to kind of split the show up into two separate episodes, more manageable episodes per week, starting with maybe a Monday show and then like a midweek show. Originally, we were thinking about doing Monday and Thursday, and I told Anthony, yeah, it would be a great time to start that next week after the Steelers game, and then I forgot that Thanksgiving is that Thursday, so we might oh, have yeah. to yeah, just maybe the, just a, that thing. Yeah. adjust accordingly there, but we're going to try to give you guys two main shows per week into a more condensed format. We'll do like so, some sort of a general recap of the previous game, on the early week show, and then we'll do more of a game preview towards later week of the show. But just to give you guys more digestible content going forward. Yeah, I think I think the game plan, we've I've talked about it a couple times on some recent episodes too, but I think the game plan is we're going to stick with doing our post-game kind of immediate reactions show, um, whether it's just me or if John wants to come on to that as well, we'll talk about some things. But then we'll, we'll get into what we usually do on Wednesday nights. We're going to do a little bit of that, plus some of the headlines that we do as a headline show. So we'll kind of blend those two together, and then we'll kind of do the latter half um opinions analysis that sort of thing if we do on our show we'll do that later in the week and then of course if we um if and when we have someone to help us preview things um from the other side of the fence we'll have a standalone episode with that unless they want to come on the the main show that sort of thing so we're still going to be bringing you a lot of different episodes we're just going to be breaking it up a little bit and giving you stuff staggering it a little bit more throughout the week we're still going to be doing listener questions live a couple times a month we're still going to be doing all that kind of stuff but uh, breaking up our our big show a little bit and blending it a little bit with the headline show. Um, I, I think that'll be, we hope that it'll be enjoyable and palatable for everybody. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's been great seeing like a lot of different shows about the Bengals pop up in recent years, especially just in the past year. And it's a lot of different content and options for everyone. And this is kind of our way to say, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping up with the times, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to give the people what they want and maybe a little bit more of a better way. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't know if more of us is actually what you want, but you're going to get it. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> if that's, if that's, uh, if you like what we do, then awesome. You're going to, you're going to get a lot of stuff. But at any rate, again, this is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, along with Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick and Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. Uh, all part of the podcast network. You can get that on the audio side on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Leave us a review on those if you can. That helps us out and helps the show out. So we would appreciate that. And we all have our own individual YouTube channels. Ours can be found right by that SB Nation link under John's side of the screen there. You can click that down below and subscribe. I got to get like a fancy 
subscribe infographic or something, well, but I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> um, and then you can click the bell to be, to, to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And like I said, and like John said, there's going to be a lot of content coming up here, continued content throughout the year. Okay. So let's start with a little bit. I, I went through headlines earlier this week, so we're kind of caught up on some things, but again, as the week charges on, Guys are getting healthier. Some other things have popped up. Um, I guess where we kind of want to start is injury report and or some of the guys who have come back, namely on the Bengals side of the of the fence there, and uh, who's been practicing and who we might expect to see this week. John, I know you've been doing a lot of that stuff for CincyJungle.com. Right. So, I mean, think back to before the bye week, you had plenty of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, including... DJ Reader, Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers, among several other people. Obviously, Chidibe Wouzier, who I believe had successful uh, ACL reconstruction uh, surgery, I think either today or yesterday as as we're recording this. And in the first injury report between the Bengals and Steelers on Wednesday, you had uh, Chris Evans, who also injured got injured against the Panthers right before the bye week. He was limited in practice. Trey Flowers was limited with that hamstring. Mike Hilton returned to practice in full capacity after, I think, having minor surgery on his pinky finger. And DJ Reader, who is not technically a part of the 53-man roster right now, he did practice Wednesday. They didn't have to include him in the injury report because he's not on the active roster just yet. But because he's practicing, he's not limited. He's just working with that knee brace right now. All signs point to him being activated onto the roster towards the end of this week and then making his return against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Anthony, you have a defense that, looking back to week one when they played the Steelers, has 10 of those 11 starters on the field at the same time. Unfortunately, Awuzie being that lone starter who's not going to play, but you're inserting your second-round rookie, Cam Taylor, who has now three weeks of game experience under his belt going up against a rookie quarterback. So the defense definitely looking on the upswing. It is looking on the upswing. The one thing, again, though, you, Josh Tupo is potentially going to well he is gonna it sounds like he's gonna miss this one based on his calf injury that he suffered earlier in the year so he continues to kind of be a week-to-week guy for them to it but so the depth is tested a little bit thankfully you know Jay Tufele and Zachary Carter have, have shown some nice moments in their time you know kind of filling in there so yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see the Bengals kind of coming back, getting back healthier, particularly with reader indications are. I know Zach Taylor said, I think as of earlier on Thursday via Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com, that he's pretty confident that he's going to play, meaning DJ Reader is going to play this week. So that is that is good. Hilton, as you mentioned as well, all well and good on that front. But, John, um, also not uh, really uh, – I guess he is noted on the injury report, but not really seeming to be available this week. And you just tweeted out a recent tweet from him, Jamar chase wide receiver still coming back from that hip injury, not seeming like he is going to be ready to go this week against the Steelers. And we'll talk more about key players and all that kind of stuff a little later, but this is uh, still a big, big loss for the Bengals to, to try and fill. I don't know, man. I mean, we can play Twitter detective a little bit. Yesterday, there was a report from, I believe, Jeremy Fowler, who is who's pretty connected within the Bengals organization. He's an ESPN NFL insider. He was reporting that the Bengals are looking towards next week, week 12 against mm-hmm. the Titans, as that mm-hmm. potential return for Jamar Chase. And hypothetically, if he practices next Wednesday, the first practice of the week, that would be exactly four weeks since the Bengals essentially shut him down, didn't put him on injury reserve, but told him, like, stay off that hip. Uh, walk around with crutches, make sure they're not putting any stress or weight on that so it heals properly. So that would have completed this proposed four-week time span where they felt like he would heal fully before, like the, you know, without having to put him on injury reserve and, you know, taking up a spot on that and not having to use an activation that they only have a, a handful left for the remainder of the season. So that would have put him at four weeks. Then today, you have, I guess, Chase opening or revealing some white and black Nike cleats that he was given in the locker room today. And then he has this cryptic tweet, uh, which basically, which equates to all, oh God, I already forgot what it was. Oh no, it was an abbreviation. It doesn't, it oh, does no. involve God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hold on. Oh, oh man. I, I, I'm not going to know what it is now, but essentially it means, oh, here we go. All praises to the most high, which is, yeah. it, it was the six or seven letter acronym. And 
starting to piece together like I don't know he's he's getting these cleats he's indicating that there's some good news here I'm not saying he's going to play this week but I don't know if this is some not, game, not gamesmanship exactly I don't know if this is some <laughs> gamesmanship because the Steelers are doing so with Mika Fitzpatrick who was out last week with appendicitis but now there's reports that he might play which doesn't seem to make any sense considering what we just saw with Joe Burrow with appendicitis and then appendectomy I don't know I'm not saying Jamar Chase is going to play, but it does seem like for sure week 12 next week against the Titans is that definite return. And I think you had mentioned it either. uh, You might have re-mentioned it right now, but I think you mentioned it in one of your articles that um, friend of the show, James Rapine had reported that uh, he was not on crutches um, as of recently. So that's a, that's a good sign, and I, I guess I guess in a way I was just because of the Fowler report and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of like, well, I, I, he's just that's just how it's going to be. He's not going to be playing this week. But I guess in a way, I see what you're saying. Where this thing kind of snuck up on everybody and was sudden in terms of him being gone. So I guess there's a potential of okay, well, I guess it could sneak up at the end of the week here, and maybe he could play based on some of these things you're you're pointing out. And be just as sneaky or just as sudden that way. Um, I don't know. That's uh, that's an interesting interesting point of view, I guess. At the very least, I think he is, if not ready to practice, like on the next on the precipice of being able to practice, which is a is a monumental step in this process. Like even if we are under the guise that Jamar Chase is quote unquote built different and his hip can heal faster than others in his position. It's still a hip injury and it's still, there's a lot of variables with that recovery timeline, but it seems like he has taken the steps to get himself back on the field as soon as possible. And if he starts practicing at least in the bare minimum fashion this week, I think it's a major win for them. Yeah. So looking at the Steelers side of things, um, some really intriguing stories this coming really this week from a lot of these players on the Steelers side. Of course, you could start with Minka Fitzpatrick, the guy who had a pick six against Joe Burrow in week one, who had been coming back from his own appendectomy, now went under an appendectomy of his own uh, and may or may not play, was looking like, no, he's not going to play. Now you're kind of wondering, you're hearing some things on the Steelers side of the fence that he might be available there after all uh who knows how he's going to be at that point if he is available but interesting and uh a, a twist of irony in terms of just a rare issue a somewhat rare issue happening to kind of two counterparts that go up against each other and would potentially be going up against each other this week as well yeah bad appendixes are just spreading throughout the Throughout the division, I guess it's I weird. The, you like never hear about this, and all of a sudden, yeah. it's like what? <laughs> the Browns, Browns, and or Ravens are next on on the docket. So be watch yeah, out for those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, another story: T.J. Watt, uh, you know, injured himself in the first Bengals game. Kind of partially tore that pectoral. Came back. Was uh, you know now was playing last week. Was part of a really good run defense. Um, a little bit of a teaser. I spoke with Jeff Hartman. Um, we did our five questions with the enemy series that we did. Um, it's going to be posted, I believe, tomorrow on Cincy Jungle. But basically, I kind of asked him pitch count, snap count for TJ Watt in this game, who will play. You can tell, you can see here, he went full practice with that. And Jeff Hartman uh, of Behind the Steel Curtain, SB Nation Steelers site, says that that's probably not going to be the case this week in terms of the heat. They're going to let him go. Um, they're going to let him play basically full bore is kind of what what the prevailing opinion is with Watt this week now I mean he'll get spelled obviously and you know there, there's going to be spots where he's not in there but they know what he has in it and Hartman kind of talked about this a little bit they know what he has done against the Bengals they are well aware what he has done against the Cincinnati Bengals whether it's against Lael Collins Bobby Hart or whomever else and so they want him to take as many snaps as possible this week as they should. I, I, it was last week where he officially returned against the Saints, and you know the Saints have run into issues this year. But Ryan Ramchek is still usually one of the better right tackles in the league, and T.J. Watt in this first game back kind of got the better of him a lot during that game. So I know we make a big deal about, especially like this year for the Bengals and their tackles and how they're not performing up to standard against some of these better edge rushers, but. TJ Watt really is that guy that it doesn't matter if you have Willie Anderson or Bobby Hart up against him. Like he's going to get his 
and he's going to get his production. And even if T.J. Watt isn't 100%, which he probably is at this point, he's had a lot of time to rest and recover. A lot of times in that first game against against Collins, it wasn't Watt necessarily you know, being aggressive as a pass rusher, getting the best of them. It was two pass defense and one interception that he got just from reading Joe Burrow's eyes. And that was something yep. that Joe Burrow mentioned in his weekly yep. press conference this week. Like Watt is maybe the only guy that you have to especially watch out for and not give away when you're going to throw the ball or, or where your eyes are, are dictating on those short passes because Watt will read your eyes and time his jumps. And it's up to Lael to get it in his face and punish the jumpers. This is what offensive line Twitter says all the time. Whenever defensive linemen are leaving their feet to try to bat the ball down, get in their chest and just knock them to the ground, make a statement to know that this is not okay. And I think that should be in the back of Lael's mind every single time the Bengals drop back to pass. Yeah. Important, important point to know too. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about Burrow coming back from the appendectomy. How, how close to 100% was he in that game? Obviously the four interceptions, that sort of thing. Um, you know, that's, that was Lael Collins, first game at right tackle going up against TJ Watt. And he hadn't played basically at all in train, you know, training camp, et cetera. So you have to figure there's going to be a vast improvement here. And I have to give myself the oh so rare pat on the back because I remember in that post game show, I talked about when Watt had that interception, I said, he didn't even rush the pat. He's yeah. he stayed still and read the entire play. And he, this, this was, I think not only instinctual football, but, film study right I, I he just saw what he what he knew and st- he instead of kind of just going full-born rushing the passer he stayed stayed put timed his jump right and made the play and burrow talked about that this week so um again watt coming back here and then just kind of a quick before we transition a little bit a quick uh, another quick story on here you see larry ogan joby on there zach taylor in a press conference this week talked about how they were interested in bringing back Larry Ogunjobi and they wanted him to come back if it made sense to the team and made sense to him. Obviously the, the figures and all that kind of stuff, the concerns about his ankle from the, the postseason injury that he had against the Ra- uh, Raiders all kind of contributed to some uncertainty there. And, and he ended up, of course, instead of going to the Jets, instead of going to the Bears, instead of going anywhere else, he goes to the Steelers. And, uh, you know, the Bengals loss is their gain there. But another player that's showing up on the injury report where there's been some interesting storylines uh, this particular week. Yeah. How about those hip injuries, man? It's not just the Bengals <laughs> dealing with them. So, so Ogunjobi, it, it wasn't shown on the injury report that we posted in Sissy Jungle, but Ogunjobi did not practice on Wednesday with that hip injury. So uh, we will probably get today's Thursday's injury report while we're recording this just to see. If there's any update there, and if not, uh, he might not play in this game. But yeah, it, it did sound like there was communication throughout the offseason to see if that reunion was possible. It didn't seem like, I don't know, if he injured his ankle in the in the last play that he played in the postseason, and he still was essentially given $26 million guarantee from the Bears had he passed that physical, it didn't really seem like the Bengals were going to be the favorites to bring him back as opposed to just bringing back B.J. Hill for a more team-friendly deal. But once that deal kind of fell through, it did kind of open the door back up to see if there was a role for him and if he wanted to accept that role. But he ended up taking a, a chance in a contract that allowed him to play more and be more of a featured uh, starter in, in this case. So, yeah, it just happened to be the Steelers of all teams. And then uh, this will we'll probably use this as a transition into our next set segment here. But another player that I don't want to say we forgot about him. But with all the other players coming back and going out with injury and all the, these sort of things, there's been sort of a forgotten man in all of this, and that is Brandon Wilson. Mm. Uh, and I guess it, I guess it has been because, partially because it's been so long since he's played for the team, right? I mean, it's it's been about a year and a half. Uh, injured his knee early last year, and then he's been out. You know, the entire. Uh, he was on the pup list and all that kind of stuff this year. So he's been out. And now, John, um, we talked about it before we took the air that he is back and kind of taking some practice snaps as well as as a kick returner. Right. It was DJ Reader who got all the bu- got all the buzz of him being activated off of IR, or at least able to practice. But Brandon Wilson at the same time was clear to practice as well. He's been on the pup list ever since, I believe, the middle of the preseason or training camp. He didn't work with the team at all during the offseason because he was still recovering from the torn ACL, which I believe happened exactly 54 weeks ago now. It's like two weeks after being the one-year anniversary of that injury. And 
the construction of the team, the fact that they had so many safeties and just players in the secondary in general allowed him to just take all the time that he needed to fully recover. Oftentimes see guys return, you know, within that 12 month time span of an ACL, but this allowed him to just take all the time he needed to fully recover. And now that the Bengals have some depth issues in the secondary, specifically at safety, Dax Hill is probably still week to week with that shoulder injury. He wasn't practicing yesterday, so he's probably not going to be active this week. And that might not be the case for Brandon Wilson either. I believe Zach Taylor said he doesn't imagine him playing this week, but him practicing and taking reps as the kickoff return. I think that's an interesting development to watch going forward. If they need that fourth safety in the coming weeks with Dax Hill out, and they may need potentially a boost at kick returner because Chris Evans has not necessarily been getting it done. It's a way for Brandon Wilson to get back onto the, onto the field with a role. So we'll talk more about special teams should, should not in just a minute. But I want to ask you a question because I talked about this briefly on the, the headline show earlier this week. Uh, I answered a question that was asked in one of the live chats here. And that, John, was that someone had asked why the Bengals didn't get more defensive back help, namely at corner in the wake of the Awuzie injury. And so now you have this, this information that Brandon Wilson is coming back. Now, Brandon Wilson is a safety by trade. He's very athletic. He's not a corner. Um, so you got to believe number one, that the Bengals have faith in our, te- you know, kind of seeing what they've got early on in Cam Taylor Britt with, with the unexpected departure of, of Awuzie here. But I kind of said, you know, it may be that they have some sort of defensive plan in mind with Wilson getting out there in certain packages, and they think that he can contribute. Again, I know he's coming back from the injury, and they may want to ease him into it, but that may be part of the equation as to why the Bengals weren't uber-aggressive in outside free agency to remedy the loss of Awuzie. Again, I know he's a safety, he's not a corner, but maybe there's a little method to that madness. I don't know if I'm grasping at straws with that reasoning, though. Yeah, I think it it would have made sense if they had weeks like the Panthers week kind of translate over to like weeks like this week and next week. Like if it became a multi-week problem where they were without both Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers, and Chidibe Wuzier, like they would have definitely needed some exterior help. I think they like the fact that they can elevate, uh, what's his name, Alan George off the Alan practice squad a couple more yep. times. And he may have to fill in a few more times if they need like an extra cornerback just to be able to play if needed to like that was the case for him against the Panthers he was cornerback five and he ended up playing 20 snaps just because they just emptied out the bench in that blowout win but there may be a case where Allen George might be cornerback four in some weeks if further injuries do continue but now that they have five healthy cornerbacks who've been on the team since week one and Apple Hilton Taylor Britt Flowers and Jalen Davis I think they felt comfortable enough to not look to the outside because then that's bringing in a cornerback that hasn't been with the system for the entire year and you had to catch him up to speed. Who knows what his role would have necessarily been. It's always nice to have extra bodies, but they do have a guy in George who I think they're comfortable playing in the pinch. But we'll have to see what happens with Hill, how much time he misses, and when Wilson does come back. You know, he wasn't really featured that much as a defensive back in in these past couple of years, especially since this defense kind of, you know, took... Turn, turned over a new leaf with new personnel and stuff. So I'm interested to see if these if, if these openings in playing time give him an actual chance to be a contributor on defense again. One more storyline before we get to some special teams talk. And yes, special teams are players too. Uh, the element of revenge this week, John, is kind of going to be a little bit lessened. And one person that we did not show on that injury report, I don't believe, was the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers made a move and brought in William Jackson, Mm. uh, former Bengals defensive back and went to Washington and then, you know, moved over to Pittsburgh here. And, you know, when they interviewed him, one of the first interviews and him coming over to Pittsburgh, they'd asked him about a back issue that had been bugging him since mid-October he said, it's feeling pretty good. You know, I'm kind of ready to go. I got to keep doing some things to, to heal it up. Well, lo and behold, the Bengals will not get revenge on a guy who kind of was said some unkind things about the team on his way out, the, out of the door there. Um, and he doesn't get the opportunity to have some exact, some revenge against the Bengals as well, John, because he was placed on IR short-term IR with that back issue. Yeah. It wasn't just the team either. It was, I think the fans got thrown under the bus too, which, you know, if he was, subject of a a bunch of cruelty from fans like I can understand how that kind of lived under his skin but you know 
he definitely burned a bridge here in Cincinnati, which is why I think when it was rumored that he was on the trading block, Bengals needed a cornerback. I think someone threw that out there, and someone in the know. It was never happening, yeah. Immediately. And there's also a connection with the Steelers and William Jackson because the Bengals picked William Jackson in the first round of the 2016 draft right before the Steelers. The Steelers ended up taking Artie Burns out of Miami. Artie Burns. Artie Burns ended up playing up to his name and got burnt a lot at cornerback. (laughs) There was a lot of talk that William Jackson was the target for the Steelers, but the Steelers normally don't trade up in, in the first round, so they didn't really get that chance. So this was their chance to pick up a guy that they liked a lot six, seven years ago. But unfortunately for William Jackson, he's just not that player that he was coming out of Houston. He's anymore. not. Yeah, he's not. And, um, you know, what would have been the ultimate is if William Jackson was to play, if this game was in Cincinnati, let's just say, and William Jackson was playing, and that was the same week that Adam Jones was the ruler of the jungle because oh Adam God. Jones Adam Jones is all over William Jackson on social media, all over him. So that would have been uh, that would have been a fun funny one. But anyway, Bengals will not see William Jackson in the rematch here. And let's get to our I don't know I guess we could call it a state your case, and it's gonna revolve around. Special teams. I guess it's a little good idea, bad idea here, John. And that is the fact that there are now that Brandon Wilson's back, we, we talked about him coming back to practice and all, you know, getting some reps at kick returner and whatnot. You got Chris, Chris Evans with the, uh, the knee injury. He left the Panthers game prematurely in that one because of it. And there's also talk now about Drew, uh, Drew Chrisman potentially stepping in for Kevin Huber because Kevin Huber on the punting side of things has not done all that well this year. I know it was kind of like a, a little bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it a one-year experiment with someone that has that much experience in Huber, but it was kind of like, is he going to be the punter? Is he not? Uh... Well, now midway through the season, there's more and more questions about you know, what, what should, should the Bengals do here? Um, I guess the question I want to pose to you, good idea or bad idea that the Bengals potentially make one or both of these wholesale transitions at at both of these spots, kick returner and punter this late into the season, or at this point um, with, with those two players, um, you know, veterans being involved, et cetera. So I, I, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's not as simple as to say it is a good or bad idea. I think there's a lot of nuance that's involved in the here, but Kevin Huber has made it really hard. I think for me and anyone else to say that it is a bad idea to replace him with Drew Christman, just because it's been consistently bad for Huber out of the gate for these past several games. Like he's had, at least one bad punt in the last handful of games that he's been out there. And it's not just isolated incidents either. He's at the bottom of the league in terms of, of net average punt yards per punt. He's at the bottom of the league of yards per punt return allowed. Um, just overall hang time has not been what it has been. It hasn't been what it was in the preseason, which is one of the main reasons why he beat out Chrisman in the first place. It's not just been these isolated incidents. It's been nine games of subpar performance from a guy that you expected a lot more and a guy who apparently is practicing well. And I think the fact that he did get uh, a week's week's rest to reset and hopefully iron things out, maybe that is what will help him go forward. But Anthony, it's such a mystery to me. Like every day, it seems like there's a new report about who's punting first in practice and who's got the inside edge. Like we don't know just as much as we didn't know who was going to win this competition during August in the preseason and training camp. And then that battle ended up going up to the last day and it was just, Darren Simmons going with his gut. So now, like, I don't think his gut is necessarily the, the best for the situation because we have nine games of Kevin Huber tape to show why Drew Christen's probably the better option here. But the reason why I would hesitate is because of you have a rookie long snapper in there who's established chemistry with Huber as the holder, and he's done a fine job. There hasn't been any notable, you know, flaws with Cal Adamitis in his new role now, but you add in an, another holder and in, in Drew, Drew Christman in, into the equation, and who knows how that changes things with the field goals uh, battery. So there's a lot of different variables here. And I would like to think that whatever they go with now at the bye week, they, they kind of stick to. And unless Kevin Huber just gives them 
absolutely no choice but to re- revoke his duties, they, they should probably just stick with it. So, Kevin Huber, when you look at the numbers, he is 31st in the league in net yards per punt, 37.4. He is 30th in the league in average yards per punt with 43.2. He is 28th in the league in terms of balls placed inside the 20-yard line with, I believe, nine on the year. Those are three pretty damning uh, statistical categories there that kind of go, oh, boy, I don't know. And then you mentioned also the the return yards and and that sort of aspect. That's been kind of uh, upticked as well because of the – uh, you know, the lack of hang time and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things to point to with Kevin Huber, who I believe he's in the top 10, top 12 in terms of return yards this year. Now the Bengals haven't um, let up a punt return touchdown or anything, but um, you know, th- there's a lot of things here on the punting side that I would say, and I'm starting with Huber and I guess we can move to, to Wilson in just a second, but I guess there's, you know, there are a lot of statistical areas where I go, yeah, this this is necessitating some sort of change. The one area, John, that gives me pause, the one area is the fact that he is the holder on kicks. And the Bengals have already lost a long snapper this so far this year. And making that change, when you, I, I always call it kind of the battery, you use a baseball term between pitcher, catcher, that sort of thing. When you when you have a field goal kicker, a a holder, and a long snapper, and you're talking about in the course of a half of a season, you are talking about replacing two of those three. I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Um, and so I, I guess that the question for Darren Simmons has to be, what do you what do you weigh more? You know, is, is the punting, those low punting statistics, are you willing to take that because of the safety you have with him as a holder? Or do you do you just sacrifice it all and just say, Hey, we're, we're losing the field position battle here and holding kind of be damned. We gotta, we gotta make a change. Exactly. And the Bengals, I think are 28th in special teams DVOA after being top 10 in every year for the past four or five years. This is Darren Simmons is like, this is his unit. They, they are not typically bad. Even when they were the worst team in the NFL, they had the best special teams in the NFL in terms of <laughs> yeah. DVOA in 2019. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Like, they're not good, and it mainly revolves around the punting game. And I know Stanley Morgan has missed a couple of games, and they really missed him as the gunner. Like, they had some missed tackles uh, against a couple of teams that led to some big returns. But the punter is mainly responsible for getting the ball down there and putting it up there for at least four and a half seconds in the air. So the gunners are in position to make a tackle there. That's also just been the fact that only 10 of his 31 punts this year have landed inside the 20. That's amongst, again, the the league's lowest in terms of percentage. And that's going to be a huge key in this game where it's probably going to be some bad weather, some cold weather. There might be some field position battles and making sure that Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense has to drive a full 80, 80 yards to get into the end zone. That's going to be crucial. So this might be a chance for Huber to redeem himself in those specific instances where he was chosen over Christmas, just the accuracy and the ability to down punts and put the, the opposing team in bad field position instead of just booming at 60 yards. This is an interesting point too by by Emperor Starscream and one that I think, you know, holds some some weight here. The weather's going to get worse, so a lot of these statistical areas we're we're complaining about with Huber, there's a high probability they're going to continue to either stay at a low level or maybe even get worse because the Bengals play outdoors, the the Titans play outdoors, the Chiefs play outdoors. You know, I mean, they they're playing all these teams, and then obviously you get into the postseason. Baltimore plays outdoors. Pittsburgh plays outdoors. I mean, uh, Cleveland, uh, it's the, they've got a lot of outdoor games, potentially in really bad weather coming up here. And then, oh, by the way, if you do get into the postseason, it's just going to get colder and more harsh weather. So that's that's another thing where you got to go, oh, man, this is you really have to tread tread lightly with this decision. Yeah, you do. And I think that's why this game specifically is so so key like he has experience punting 
in the stadium. I think he's probably punted in the stadium more than any other opposing stadium in his career. He has maybe not a not so good memory of getting his jaw broken about a yeah. decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think this is this is a really important game for him amongst other Bengals who. Uh, didn't perform well against the Steelers back in week one. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up getting the opportunity. To me, this, this kind of says, I don't, I don't really see the harm in it unless we're talking about the, you know, just him not being fully healthy here, but Brandon Wilson coming back as the kick returner. And then the, the caveat again, though, is going back to the question I asked before we got into the state, your case segment, which is, is there a defined defensive role? Might there be something, um, you know, more prominent on the defensive side of the ball for Brandon Wilson as he comes back from this injury because of the Wouzier injury and the Bengals kind of trying to do a shell game there? Um, but for me, Chris Evans hasn't really given you much from the kick return standpoint, and that's not all his fault. I think that has to do with just how the rules changed for for kickoffs in general, but. Wilson went healthy and and a couple of years ago was electric uh, as a kick return man. So to me, this is the change where I'd say, why not? And oh, by the way, maybe if and when Evans is back fully healthy as well, maybe this then gives him a path to have more snaps on offense. Right. I mean, he's got no snaps on offense, essentially. I, I was looking at statistics the other day and like he has not had a single carry this entire year, which seems crazy nope. considering the expectations. I think what two or three targets year. too, right? In, yeah. in the passing game. I mean, it's like been non-existent. And as a kick returner, he's got 10 attempts. Um, one of my favorite things this year has honestly just been whenever the camera pans to him and he's always got a smile. Like he knows yeah. that the camera's yeah. on him in that situation. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't seem like it's, it seemed like it was the first four or five weeks where he just didn't get a single return. So all 10 of his attempts have been in the past five or six games or so. But he's averaging 21 yards per return is long of 29. So there hasn't even been like a single instance of him breaking off a long one. And it does seem like in recent weeks, like he was mainly stopped before the 20 yard line. So he was honestly hurting the offense more than helping them when he was able to get a return. And maybe that has honestly urged opposing kickers to make sure that he has to return it because there isn't a college rule where you take a fair catch regardless of where you are on the field and get at the 25. No, if if he has to return it outside of the end zone, then that's that's what it is. Like That's where the ball is going to go. So he hasn't provided that spark as a kickoff returner, and this is exactly the conversation that we were having with Brandon Wilson when he first got to the Bengals. They had Brandon Tater, excuse me, Alex Erickson at the time, who wasn't really doing much after a solid rookie season, and Wilson provided that spark in a handful of games, and he eventually won the job. So this might be a return of that exact scenario where then Chris Evans becomes mainly just a forgotten offensive player as a third string running back. And then hear me out on this one, because if Wilson comes back and is near or hopefully even at the form he was at when he was, you know, a, a pro bowl type of kickoff return man in recent memory, that negates some of the field position issues potentially that you're having with Huber. Um, and so if you're, if you're not willing to potentially get rid of Huber as the holder, but then you get Wilson back and he becomes the guy that you hope he is and or, you know, that you saw over the past couple of seasons that then you can kind of sit back and say, okay, we can, we can take some of these L's in the the punting game, so to speak, because we're going to, we're going to get one or two returns a game from kickoffs. That'll potentially help us and, and kind of tip that field position back in our favor. And then it goes back to, Hey, if this guy, that the Bengals have now returning kicks. If he's doing a, if he's providing those explosive plays, maybe it's not the best idea to kick to him. Then the Bengals get a guaranteed possession starting at the 25. So it all kind of works with in motion with how things are going with that. It's hard. So, I mean, I guess as a whole, um, my, my answer would be, you know, to the question, is it a good idea to make some of these wholesale changes on special teams? I would say no, not as a whole. I would probably go the kick return route and, and ride things out with Huber, even though the stats are not good with Huber. And I, I look at this again, John, and I say, okay, let's just say the Cincinnati Bengals are fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year and or are in the playoffs, um, or early rounds, bad weather, whatever. You have a, 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 a very inexperienced long snapper 
you have a second year kicker and I don't really buy into it, but people are kind of talking about a couple of the, the last couple of games where there's been some misses and then you would have a, a guy, a second year player, but technically a guy who has never played in a pro game before and drew Chrisman, that's your special teams core right there. And so when you're going up against a Tennessee, a Kansas city, a Baltimore, these types of teams and you're facing bad weather, I don't mean to sound like the old Marvin Lewis guy where I, I always prefer the veterans, even though they may not be performing over some of the younger, exciting guys, or at least that you think that there's more potential there. But man, that's just a precarious situation. If you have to go in with that little experience, you have to make a big kick in one of these games and you've got that that amassed inexperience among that group. I just I just worry about that. Yeah, you just don't want it to get worse at this point. Like and that's either trusting the continuity that these guys have with each other over the course of this season, or it's just about injecting new life and seeing if that actually ends up making a difference. And I don't think there's necessarily a wrong route that they take. I think there's enough justification for either decision that they decide to go with. But at the end of the day, Kevin Huber needs to improve. Cal Midas needs to keep it up. And Evan McPherson needs to find his accuracy again. And once all those things happen, it'll be a lot better. It'll be a lot better. Well, we talked about special teams. We don't talk a ton about special teams in this, uh, in on this show. I mean, we talk some, but hey, uh, it's it's kind of a, an issue here popping up, and we want to talk about what what the possibilities are. We're going to preview the Steelers game coming up here, and oh, by the way, we're going to have a special preview episode tomorrow, Friday afternoon. Right around 1 p.m. is the live time, and we are going to be joined once again by Believe in Steelers host Mark Bergen, one of our good buddies. He, he treats us well. Believe podcast treats us very well, and uh, we have a good time with Mark. And every once in a while when we get his his co-host, Ike Taylor, on the show too, we have a good time with, with Ike Taylor. Um, great guys there, and so we're excited to kind of get a more in-depth look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, so join us for that. We have another special announcement at the end of the show, too. I, I think I might even surprise John. I don't think I've told him about it yet. Um, so uh, you want to stay tuned for that, but let's get started with a Steelers preview. John, you are now bringing up a new injury report, the latest as of Thursday. What do you got for us that's uh, different? Yeah, it just seems like the only thing that's changed is Deontay Smith didn't practice today. He's dealing with the undisclosed illness, but he is not normally active anyways, so no real changes for today's injury report. Now we're getting a live reporting, and as you can see on the screen, Jamar Chase did not practice, so he did not take that next step, at least today. We don't know if that's going to be the case tomorrow. We'll surely update you guys on CincyJungle.com if anything does change with that, but Chris Evans, Trey Flowers, they were... Once again, limited in practice, and Josh, or excuse me, Lyle Collins was a full participant after he took his normal rest day on Wednesday. Yeah, and then Dax Hill, the shoulder injury, he did not participate. It sounds like he's going to potentially be out of this one. Then again, spotlighting Brandon Wilson's return as well as kind of a you know a defensive back, uh, whatever role, whatever role they would hash out for him at this point. Um, you know, getting him back would would help remedy the loss of Hill, who doesn't appear to be looking like he'll suit up this week. Good news on Flowers, though, albeit limited. Um, you know, that's a guy that's that's going to be helpful to have in there, especially against guys like Pat Fryermuth and whatnot. So um, got to have all hands on deck here uh, going forward against the Steelers. So let's talk about, as we usually do, some keys, key players, key moments, all kinds of stuff. Obviously, the one, the, the week one game ended in very, very odd fashion. Uh, you know, the Bengals lose their long snapper. Nobody can seemingly make a kick. It was kind of the Green Bay game all over again from 2021. Nobody can make a kick. Nobody wanted to win the game. Steelers ultimately won it at the very, very end, and it left a very bitter taste in a lot of folks' mouth on the Bengals' side of things because that was just a game it seemed like it was just right there to take. And they did not do that. And so now the Bengals are 0-3 in the division absolutely have to have this one i would think john and and you know i think the steelers feel the same way they may or may not believe that they're in playoff contention for whatever that is, is worth at this point in time delusions of grandeur i guess but uh, i think they also want it as potentially a building block going forward in terms of getting getting the sweep here against the Bengals. but uh, let's talk about key uh key players key matchups what are you what are you looking at this week yeah i think 
just how the Bengals continue to put a cap on the Steelers' offense is going to ultimately help them control the flow of the game. Like the the common issue with their their struggles this year have been turning the ball over early on and allowing the other team to dictate the game script and. Field Gates, who was, I think, a guest with Dan Horde on whatever Bengals preview show that they have on a weekly basis, he said something that shocked me, but it doesn't surprise me. Steelers haven't scored a touchdown of 10 yards or more this season. That's actually insane. Like, I know they haven't scored a lot, but you, you have to figure that at least once they would have broken off a big play, and that has not been the case. They have had to grind out every single one of their touchdowns. I don't know if they've been able to get short fields and have been able to punch it in quickly after a turnover, but... Like the Steelers don't make it easy on themselves to get into the end zone. And that's why they haven't scored more than 20 points in any game in regulation this season. The only, the highest points that they've scored this season is 23. And that was week one against the Bengals because it went to overtime. So obviously turnovers are a key in this one. The Bengals don't want to throw four interceptions again and give the Steelers good field position to get up on them early. But Kenny Pickett and that offense just haven't been able to showcase any sense of consistency against any type of defense, especially not a Bengals defense that continues to be one of the best in the league and defending the pass without their best cornerback. So it's it's going to be the story of the game. How can the Bengals offense, how can they slow down that pass rush? Can they continue to get their running game going at a, at a rate where they don't have to drop Joe Burrow back 40, 50 times against TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, who, by the way, Anthony, I think that is just from a player-to-player standpoint, that's the one I'm watching the most. How is Jonah Williams going to respond against Alex Highsmith again? Because Highsmith... Definitely played outplayed TJ Watt in that first game. Just as a pass rusher, he just he had a great game last week school. too. Yeah, he's just a really good player, and we are he big fans of him on this show. We really liked him coming out of college. He's just like he's developed really well opposite of TJ Watt on the other side of the, of the defensive line. And this is the big statement game for Jonah. Like he's been under major scrutiny. By the way, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, Jonah Williams. We're talking trash about you, but happy 25th birthday to you. <laughs> He's been under 25. a lot of scrutiny he's this year, pup. right? He's a pup. He, he is a pup. Isn't that crazy? He's barely older than Cordell Volson, but he's had three years more of NFL <laughs> experience, and he's playing next to him. I always wonder how that – I'm getting off topic here. He's been under scrutiny this year just because of the sacks allowed. Steelers are known to finish their pressures into sacks, especially against this team. I don't think there is going to be a game – there's never going to be that game last year again where Joe Burrow doesn't get sacked. And T.J. Watt not playing in that game had a lot of – implications on the Steelers not being able to get home against him but even when the offensive line plays good even when Joe Burrow plays good he's still going to get sacked three or four times against quality defensive lines and the Steelers defensive line is still one of the best that the Bengals have to play so making sure that they don't take over the game and give the Steelers offense easy chances to put points on the board it's ultimately going to be the key it is going to be the key and for Jonah Williams he is a guy that I think is definitely key this week I have to believe that this week off for him, uh, you know, we talked about Reader coming back, Wilson coming back, all of these guys coming back, quietly one of the major things that needed to take place over the bye week was Jonah Williams resting his knee. Because not, I don't think a lot of folks really know, maybe they do at this point, but the dude dislocated his kneecap and sprained a knee ligament against the Ravens and has been playing on it, has not missed time at all. Um, so that can't be, and we've heard Zach talk, Zach Taylor talk about how, you know, he's had some pain here and there. He's just kind of playing through it. Um, you have to believe that this bye week has to be like Jonah Williams was like, Oh, thank you. Uh, just to get a little extra rest on that. Um, I I don't want to make excuses for him because there were issues before the knee injury. Um, and, and we've, we've seen that, but uh, this, I'm hopeful that him resting uh, an additional week here is something that will will you know bear fruit for the for the team in the offensive line. I'm looking at the guy right next to him as a key player and a guy you pointed out here in your uh, midseason rookie report. This dude right here, and he has shown some nice improvements. One of the things I like that you wrote here, John, about it was right here from weeks, and this is what you want to see. Uh, out of a rookie um, rookie offensive lineman and from kind of the critical point, you know, you get through the first month, you take your lumps here, and you wrote here from week six to ten, Volson ranks first among seven rookie starting guards in all three of pro football focuses blocking grades, overall pass and run. That's huge. 
But the last time we saw him go up against the Steelers, it was not pretty because Cam Hayward was having an absolute day. And as you mentioned, Jonah Williams struggled, Cordell Volson struggled, really the entire offensive line, save for maybe Ted Karras, were, was really struggling. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Talk about not playing together, not playing in the summertime, all that kind of stuff. But in actuality, it's really just going up against a very good Steelers defensive line. So I'm going to be looking at Cordell Volson. What's in here, it may or may not be some fool's gold because you played the Atlanta Falcons, you played the Carolina Panthers. Um, and so, you know, those two teams are not very strong at this point uh, on the defensive side. You played the New Orleans Saints as well. So, I mean, a lot of NFC South teams, that's a very weak division at this point. The Bengals are 3-0 and against those teams. So I wonder here as we get back to AFC North, rough and tumble football, you know, the big, the big bad boys on the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cordell Volson's a guy that I want to see hold up that stat that you put in your rookie report here. And I will pin that in the live chats for folks to go read it because it was very well done. But um, that's where I'm, that's where I'm looking at uh, as one of the key players again on the Bengals offensive line. Yeah. And he hasn't allowed a sack since week four against the dolphins, but it was those handful of really bad reps against the Steelers that, you know, it, his season started off on the wrong foot and that's, that's totally normal for a rookie going into Cameron Hayward and the Steelers defensive line and I think I think you're onto something I think the Bengals offensive line likes the progress that they've made over the last few weeks they've they've seemed to have established that okay if we can diversify a run game if we can go under center if we can be in shotgun if we can run gap we can run zone we can run draws whatever the case may be and we can be effective it just makes the life for the defense that much harder because the predictability factor is just gone no matter what your pre-snap formation is. So there's confidence, I think, building in their cohesiveness to be able to churn out whatever run that it is. But there is a difference, I think, for the Bengals and maybe every AFC North team to be able to dominate against fellow divisional opponents. I feel like that in itself just has a lot more weight to it, and it just means more to them. Like Their progress up to this point has been admirable, but I think for them, this is a really big statement game for them to be able to churn out an efficient game, both in pass protection and run blocking. We saw both of those last year in their second game against the Steelers when they beat them by like 40 points. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of the season to just grind out these games, even if the offensive line wasn't that good. But now the offensive line is objectively better. And I feel like a solid performance against this specific unit against Cam Hayward, against TJ Watt, against Alex Highsmith and everyone else that they have in that rotation, Chris Wormley, it would be really it would bode really well for them going forward. The other matchup I'm really interested in, and this may be a little bit of low hanging fruit, um, but Hey, why not? I'll, I'll go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to look at George Pickens and who he may be going up against in the Bengals secondary, uh, whether that's Eli Apple, Cam Taylor, Britt, et cetera. Obviously he now has ascended to a, a higher profile role because Chase Claypool shipped off in a trade to Chicago so now that that's and and not only does that show maybe a little bit of disappointment and or willingness to move off of Chase Claypool, but obviously it shows a little bit of confidence in what they think they have in George Pickens, right? If they're able to make that move, obviously they got some some nice picks and whatnot for for Claypool, and they got what they could there. Um, but I think also it's like they like George Pickens. They like they like what he brings. They like a lot of the stuff that he showed on college tape and I'm not just talking catches, I'm talking blocking, I'm talking physicality. That's what the Steelers are all about. And before or after the whistle, of course, uh, that's up for debate, but I think that is going to be because the numbers don't really pop off the screen. John, he has one, one, 100 yard receiving game so far this year. I think it was against the jets. Um, and so that was way earlier this season when Claypool was still on the team. So now he's going to ascend into a different role. I'm really curious to see what he does and how the Bengals respond without Jadobia Wuzier out there. Yeah, I think him versus Taylor Britt would be a really fun matchup of rookies who both like to get at it. Like Taylor Britt, he's been unfortunately um, the recipient of a, of a handful of penalties for getting too physical just in the middle of the play. Not, not unnecessary roughness, but legal contact here and there. Right. And Pickens, I think, I mean, obviously one of the more physical receivers in the league already. He definitely lives up to all of the things that we saw 
about his game at Georgia and, and everything. So I, I'm interested to see what their overall plan is for, from a from a pass coverage standpoint because Kenny Pickett at this point he just he watching that Saints game it he was just so afraid to push the ball down the field at times and even when he did push the ball down the field it was with not a single ounce of accuracy and precision on those passes he he just doesn't seem really comfortable with really throwing the ball beyond 10 yards down the field so that could mean that the Bengals just sit down in zone and force Pickett to pick apart some of those soft vacant points or they just go into man and force Pickett to throw into some tight windows and force these Steelers receivers to win cleanly so Pickett has the confidence to target them down the field. So I think the Bengals have options in how to defend against a rookie quarterback who's maybe playing a little bit frightened right now. And that gives them, I guess, flexibility in how to defend some of these receivers who I think are still really good. Like Deontay Johnson, every time I see him play, he makes a, a catch that I can't believe. Like mm-hmm. he he's legitimately good. Did so in week one, right? Exactly. And unfortunately, he just doesn't have a really good quarterback play right now. And the same thing goes for George Pickens. So I think that should give the Bengals quarterback uh, some confidence in going up against these guys one-on-one. Any other key matchups, key players that you are spotlighting before we talk about maybe a score prediction and do maybe maybe a little bit of trivia and get on out of here? So James Daniels, Mason Cole, I think have been fine as a center right guard duo for the Steelers this year, but this is the return of DJ Reader, and I would imagine that Najee Harris will be pretty involved in their overall offense because they want to test out this Bengals run defense that has taken a step back without Reader. This is Reader's first game back. They probably want to see how effective he is playing with that knee brace on. He made that insane play against the Steelers back in week oh. one where I don't know how his knee withheld that amount of pressure and flexibility, but this is his first game back going up against, I think, an interior duo and trio, really, that has played, I think, better than expectation, but this is still DJ Reader, and if he is, in fact, 100%, I think it's going to be hard for Najee Harris to run up the middle. Yeah. DJ Reader, by the way, was on Bengal Jim show, uh, not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday prior during the bye week. So go check out that one. That was a uh, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool show there. Um, all right. Well, what do you got for a score for us, Sean? Uh, you, you think the Bengals get their first win in the division here and start kind of making that final push in this back half of the season to get into the postseason? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be ugly. Oh, God, man. I'm dying here. I'm dying. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I think this is a Bengals-Steelers game played in cold weather. Neither quarterback is going to be tremendously comfortable. I think this is still Joe Burrow playing without his number one receiver against a defensive line that has had the propensity to get after him. And we're going to deal with these same conversations of an offensive line. Oh, man, they're still struggling. They're still allowing a handful of sacks per game. This is what the Steelers do when they're at full strength. And I don't think it's a knock on any specific Bengals offensive lineman if they give up a sack or two to the Highsmiths or the TJ Watts of this defensive line. I don't think either team is going to score more than 20 points. I don't think the Bengals are going to necessarily play bad. I just think the Steelers pass rush that has their number. And again, those games at Pittsburgh last year are so far and few between in the history, in, in the recent history of this rivalry. So I'm seeing something like a 17 to 13 game with the Bengals coming down top. Ooh, that would be hideous. Um, here's, here's the thing with it. Now the Bengals don't have Jamar chase this week, unless something drastically changes in the next 24 hours or 48 hours or something, but looking like not, it is looking like we saw some people talk about in the updated injury report that Mika Fitzpatrick did go full today for the Steelers. So he may, he may be back there. That's going to hurt what I, here's the thing. The Bengals are going to have to adjust without Jamar chase, of course. And that's a big loss, but what they have a leg up with right now is their offensive adjustments. They have made not only with, chase being out of the lineup the past couple of weeks but the adjustments from what they were showing in week one and what they've been able to do in in a a, you know a lot of their games since um they've been a little bit a little bit more effective running the football particularly you know last game against the panthers um you know they've they've done some other things getting other receivers involved i think this is a, a potentially a really good and this is something else that jeff hartman of behind the steel curtain noted uh in, in our conversation 
look out for Hayden Hurst this week. Um, Hayden, you know, they, they think that there, there could be a mismatch problem between Hayden Hurst and this defense if the Bengals choose to exploit it. So they're going to need to do some things to get the ball out a little more quickly, not hang on to it. And obviously what they were doing in week one kind of was more the hang on to the ball type of thing try and let something develop deep and it never did. So I, I, you know, I think they've done a nice job adjusting or will have done a nice job adjusting the second time around. Um, I, I do think the Bengals win. I don't know if it's as ugly as 17, 13, but I'll go something to the effect of 24, 16, um, something, something to that effect. I, I think the Bengals um, have had largely Najee Harris's number. He is, he has been really limited in what he has done against them with or without DJ reader. And so um, largely with DJ reader, but uh, still, I think the, I think the Bengals just still have a, a little bit of a talent disparity. I think they're going to play with a little bit of, of an edge based on what happened in week one, feeling that they got cheated out of that game. And I, I think they get a win. Still, it's a rookie quarterback. And for whatever reason, Oh you know, God! This, yeah, it's it, it. It might be overblown in some cases, but this is still, I think, seven of the last eight times the Bengals have lost to Ugh. a rookie quarterback in some way, shape, or form. This is probably, I don't, I don't mean to keep dogging on him, but this is probably the worst rookie quarterback that they faced in a long time. But I've seen stranger things. I've the Bengals have surprised me so many times this year. They are thirty second in variance when it comes to DVOA. That means they're the most inconsistent team in wildly the league by far. Yeah. So they have. They have had no troubles in surprising me before, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that I think they pull out a win. I'm just gonna yeah. say, I think they pull out put a win. put a bunch of dice in a in a cup yeah. and and roll it, and that's kind of what the Bengals have been like this year. Um, do we want to do trivia? We're we're running up against it here. Do we have do do we want to do it? Or are we uh, we out of time here? Is the book open? Are you... I can get it open quickly. Um, do you want do you want to? Go, John. I'll I'll go. It's been a while for me. Okay. You you, you pick the uh, category here. It will be uh, catching the ball. Okay. So this will be about Bengals receivers. Which of these receivers never had 200 receiving yards in a game for the Bengals, John Sheeran? A, Chris Collinsworth. B, Eddie Brown. C, Terrell Owens. D, TJ Hushmanzada. Which of these receivers never had 200 receiving yards in a game for the Bengals? Collinsworth, Brown, Owens, or Hoosh? I'm going to go Collinsworth. Let me find the answer here. Again, the answer. Which of these receivers never had 200 receiving yards in a game? You said Collinsworth. The answer to that question is actually TJ Hushmanzada. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Was it 200 yards in a game or two 100 yards? 200 receiving yards in a game. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. In a single game. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We'll give one to the, to the kiddos here, the, the live chats, and we'll see if we can um, get them something nice. Let's see. Hmm. I'm trying to, we're going to go same category. I love dead air. Uh, let's, Ooh, uh, a lot of good receiver history right. here. All right. Three. Uh, let's see. True or false to the folks. So we're going to make this real quick. True or false. Whoever gets the right answer. Uh, and then you can hit us up with your address. We'll try and send. And yes, we have stuff in route to people. We're just collecting more stuff to get, get some fun things out to people. All right. No Bengals receiver. This is for the, the live chat listeners. No Bengals receiver has had more than six 100-yard games in a season. True or false? Now, keep in mind, uh, this was pre-Jamar Chase, uh, I think, is when this this was written. This was pre-2021, I believe. So none of that includes those players. But again, no Bengals receiver has had more than six 100-yard games in a season. True or false? So it's either Crib Keeper or Daniel Upchurch. You got it right, whether it be true or false. If it was false. Okay. Who, who, oh, let's see. I'm seeing Crypt Keeper first, but I don't. Well, he's the only one I, I saw with true. So, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Crypt Keeper yeah. wins. Yeah. So there you go. Crypt Keeper, give us, uh, get us your address. Shoot us uh, an email, theobinsider at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter, and we'll get that to you. Let's drop the mic and get out of here, John. Um, excited for what we're going to be doing to kind of switch some things up in 
the near future. But what do you got for us as we get on out of here? I think I just need to clear my throat. I almost died like 10 minutes ago. So I'm going <laughs> to drink some more water here. I'm going to stop talking before I embarrass myself. Uh, I So I will say that we have a little bit of an announcement. It's not official yet or anything like that, but we are in works of getting a, a special guest. And that special guest... Uh, if, if we get it locked in, it would be in a couple of weeks, probably the beginning of December. Special guest would be uh, Mike Golick, formerly of ESPN and uh, a, a lot of different outlets. Uh, we're working on uh, working with his representation to get him on the show for a little bit. He's doing some stuff with Mike Ditka's coach, Mike Ditka's charity. Um, and so we're going to hear about that and talk a little football with him. So that would be a lot of fun talking with it. What's kind of cool, and sometimes I step back and I go, man, some of the people we've talked to, and I, it's not like, you know, boasting about it. It's just sometimes I just, it's like, oh, Trey Wingo, we used to watch him all the time for years and years and years. Um, Lee Steinberg, you know, some of these big names in, in the football industry. And I'm like, dude, we get to, you know, yuck it up with these guys. It's pretty cool. Um, so I hope that it's not definitive, but we're working on getting that going. I've been co- conversing with their, his representation and looking like it would be beginning of December for that. Big Golik, man. He's had quite the glow-ups in his post-ESPN days. He's doing stuff with Metal Arc Media, with Dan Lebertard, and Jessica Smetana. He looks great for being 59, too. I'm excited to get him on. Yeah, I, he's really uh, slimmed out. I saw him yeah. uh, a little bit at the draft. Yeah, he looks he looks good. So hopefully we'll get that worked out, and definitely we'll get everybody the details, and uh, that'll be it'll be a lot of fun to, to you know, yuck it up with him. So we'll... We'll get that going, but uh, kind of excited because we had some further conversation about that earlier today and um, excited about that. But, John, enjoy your Sunday. If you want to join me for the post-game show, you are always welcome, my friend. No pressure, of course. Um, I'm just putting it out there on live TV so you do feel pressured secretly, but no. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, no, but thanks for everything, and um, enjoy the game, my friend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Talk to you guys soon. All right. All right.